Simmerdown Sports Talk is back in March, March 1st today. For episode 75, we're going to do our Super Bowl recap finally and also get to our best fits for Justin Fields because it feels like that trade is inevitable. So we're looking forward to that. In the meantime, first things first, we need to talk about what is going on in Major League Baseball with these jerseys because they just became garbage and on the verge of becoming a dumpster fire. The, the material right now is just not quality, and it's see-through, especially on the pants. So that's number one, okay? And players have said they don't fit right. There's no custom-fit styles anymore. The pants also can't be tailored anymore. So that is already problematic, okay? And then number two, all the numbers, letters, and patches, they're heat-pressed. So it just doesn't look as nice. Then you move on to the last names. They're smaller now. They're arched even more on the back of the jerseys. So they kind of look even dumber and like some jersey style thing. It just and that just contributes overall to the to a cheaper look. Then you got Nike athletes saying that they like the new look. You know that's cap. Mike Trout saying change can be good, and I'm a big fan of these. You can tell somebody from Fanatics probably typed that for him. So it's just Man, these are so bad. I can't believe this was allowed by Major League Baseball. But Rob Manfred, why should we be surprised? He's never really cared about how the how the game has looked anyways. He doesn't he doesn't even care about the World Series trophy. So why why should we really be surprised at all by this? But I'm I'm gonna tell you right now, Finn, I am not gonna buy an MLB jersey for the foreseeable future if this is what we're going to get going forward, especially when they moved the price up $40. They were, what was it? 130 or 135. Now it's 175 for this new Nike vapor limited edition Jersey. They made a Nike made a step up in their uniform templates for the NFL and their, their Nike schools and college football. But in the MLB, they, they did not give a, a rat's ass about the, what they were doing, producing uniforms for baseball. Yeah, I I do think the Royals though switched, uh, or they they at least enlarged the numbers. I saw a picture of it, but yeah, I mean the pants are see through. Uh, I apparently players were complaining about the material already. Um, some teams were planning on boycotting the jerseys. Like I, I, I don't know it, and they also just look bad too. I mean, it, there was a comparison of the uh, Mariners jersey from last year to this year, and it just really. Like it just bums you out looking at them. Like they just look like they look like you know when you create a custom jersey on MLB the Show and it just like doesn't look right. I mean, yeah, I I don't have much to say on it to be honest because I I, I just genuinely think that by think the, the picture, beginning, first of all, I think I think the pictures speak for themselves. I mean, yeah, you, there's you, not, you can literally see somebody's bag of balls in their pants. You know, like <laughs> it, it is not good. It's I mean yeah, and and I think again it probably will be rectified before the end of the year. I would, or the end, the beginning of the season. Sorry. I, I would assume that they probably would, maybe it lingers into the season. Right. But I feel like by the end of the season, there definitely might be some changes. I, I just, I, I think there's enough pushback from the players to, to get different jerseys. I don't but, know. But, but what happened? What I don't, I just don't get what happened. So Nike just 
ran out of resources or time and just couldn't invest anymore or spend any more time working on the uniforms for Major League Baseball. So they d decided to throw them on over to Fanatics. We'll call it a quote-unquote collaboration and design the jerseys, but Fanatics will actually make them. And if you know anything about Fanatics, you know that all of their team apparel is garbage. It's it's not a quality product. You did not feel good wearing it. And it's some of the worst designs, most basic stuff that you'll ever see. Walmart can make up better stuff than what Fanatics puts out there. And now Fanatics is... A, taken over producing these jerseys like that was not a good idea somebody somebody at nike clearly wanted to get invited to michael rubin's fourth of july all white party over the summer and they decided you know what we'll let you start making the jerseys start getting in on this money i think that's some that's the only explanation i can possibly think of because why else would this be allowed to happen i mean it's just absolutely horrible i i just feel bad for baseball you, you have rob manfred already and then you now you got to deal with this. It's just uh, it's just not good. Not a good look. Yeah, taking another L MLB. On the flip side, though, shout out to the New York Jets. They made a terrific decision going to that classic throwback uniform set as their permanent uniforms. I love the move. I think it makes a ton of sense. I think the the Jets font. The throwback Jets font is kind of interesting. I don't know if I absolutely love that. But it still looks good on the helmet, I got to admit. And I don't know if that changes their primary logo, if their primary logo stays the same or it goes to that word mark now. But overall, you cannot hate on the uniforms. It's super clean with the white face mask as well. Underrated touch. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And the Jets will be a better team. So, and we'll, so we'll get to see the Jets more often in those uniforms. So that's going to be fun. And then moving on down, finally, we're going to start off with clown of the week. What well, we have the new Orleans saints here, just to lead it off really quick, because once again, they are starting off the off season with just a disastrous <laughs> cap number starting off with negative, negative 83 million in cap. I don't know how they do this every year and who the hell that they are paying to make that number even possible, but they start off with negative at least 50 million every year. And that number has just gotten worse and worse. And then somehow they get back under the cap and the team stays at, you know, seven, seven and 10, eight and nine, nine and eight. So I don't, I don't know what is going on there with the New Orleans Saints, but that number is always hilarious every time it comes out in February. And then moving on to Colin Cowherd making clown of the week with his top 12 quarterback list. It, it was the really atrocious, uh, absolute crime. And if you look at the list, I got a lot of problems with it. Number one, Josh Allen over Joe Burrow is kind of meh. I mean, we all know Joe Burrow, it seems like at this point, is going to be the the best competitor that Patrick Mahomes will face for the foreseeable future. And we're still waiting on somebody to challenge, somebody else to challenge the Chiefs. C.J. Stroud looks like he has that potential. And even C.J. Stroud coming in at number 11 on the list, below Trevor Lawrence, and some other guys. Kyler Murray. Like, why is Kyler Murray on this list? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Ky well, no, Kyler Murray is still not even my biggest issue. It it's the names that got left off is really what kind of bugs me. Oh, and Trevor Lawrence as well. Because, I honestly, Trevor Lawrence didn't really look like a top-12 quarterback last year. But Jalen Hurts, <laughs> oh, completely omitted. Jordan Love, after a terrific playoff run just out of the mix. 
Brock Purdy as well. The going from from last to first just doesn't count for anything. Just and I guess Colin thinks he's a system quarterback. So yeah, this list was absolutely atrocious. Also, I, Matthew Stafford at five. Like I respect Matthew Stafford. Don't get me wrong, but at five, like I mean, that just seems a tad high. I, I don't know. Maybe that's one that's not as big of a deal, but I, that that was crazy to me seeing Matthew Stafford in the top five. Even Justin Herbert at six. Like I'm, I, I agree Justin Herbert's a top ten QB, but at six, I, I don't know. Like, okay, well, 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 if you had to make up your list, what does your ideal list look like then? I mean, I think it depends if you're going on just in general, you, you know, kind of what you think the eye test or if you're going on who played well last year and you're going on stats of like this past season. Cause I think if you're going to, if you're going to take it on who we're just going to say objectively, who's the top 12 based off this last year, then stats are going to play more of an important part. And so I think you would have obviously Stroud and, and Purdy, you know, closer to the top five. Uh, I mean, even Dak at 12, like I, as much as I hate Dak, like I, I still think Dak on his day, right. Is, is, you know, better than Kyler Murray right now. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm nitpicking a little bit at the list and, and should be again, focusing on who's not on the list, but I would say there's definitely some guys here where I'm like, ah, that's a little high for, for me. And, and again, yeah, Josh Allen over Joe Burrow again, that's why this list doesn't make any sense to me because he's probably he's probably taking it off the fact that Josh Allen had a good season and Joe Burrow was injured. But then why is Justin Herbert at six? If your logic is that Justin Herbert shouldn't be even in the top ten for going off this last year, right? Right. I mean, well, Aaron Rodgers also, yeah, just was her didn't really yeah. get to impact so that I, season, and he finds himself at ten over C.J. Stroud too, which is crazy so yeah i I don't understand the logic of this list at all i I don't understand yeah the 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 urge to come out with this list but there you have it definitely not my top 12 there there are some serious problems there then rounding out clown of the week we got chris trapaso or chris trapaso i don't know nfl analyst for cbs gave us his top five wide receivers in this upcoming nfl draft it was not a great list let me tell you they i think he had the names I think he had his top five. The names are right. It's a, it's a, the right five, just wrong, completely, completely wrong order. So, number one, Malik Neighbors, the guy that can do everything. I like him. Do I like him over Marvin Harrison Jr.? Not quite, <laughs> to say the least. So, Marvin Harrison Jr. comes in at two. So, I'm guessing he's probably a Michigan fan. And then Javon Baker at three, the guy, the wide receiver at a UCF. I think he, this guy might be the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL draft because nobody is talking about him and he has a great skill set I think he he's got that dog in him he makes plays he is so fun to watch I think he is should be on people's radar and he's not and I think he has a chance to sneak in the first round you might see that in my in my mock draft next week my my mock draft 1.0 but kind of a teaser there for you but Javon Baker at three still kind of a wild take we're still forgetting some other guys too. And then Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU as well at number four. Not bad, but not great. And then Roma Dunze finally finds himself rounding out the top five. Yeah, it's that's not the right order for me, but 
you know, I think I think at least he gave some spotlight to Javon Baker and I guess Brian Thomas Jr. as well. Some, I mean, Keon Coleman, I don't know how he didn't make the top five, though. Adonai Mitchell also definitely makes a very strong case out of Texas to be on, on the top five wide receiver list, to be considered in the draft as a top five wide receiver. I think he has a really good chance of going in the first round as well. So just an interesting list. And, yeah, definitely suspecting he's got some Michigan ties here, no doubt. Where's Lad McConkey? Where where's Lad? Yeah. Where where's Lad? Where's my where's my cousin Jermaine Burton? That's my probably my biggest issue with that. But the dude well, that punched a Tennessee fan in the face. <laughs> no, I don't think he's gonna get anyone to the top five. Yeah, that, that should be an interesting question at the combine. Uh, <laughs> uh combine questions are just some of the worst questions you, I think you'll you'll ever see. Like, why is somebody asking Roma Dunze if he can land a plane? Like who who thought that was a good idea. They're supposed idea. to be brain teasers. They're they're like they're but, like consulting questions. But if I, if I'm How many hot dogs Dunze, can you stack on one another, you know, in a, in the Phillies uh baseball stadium or something like that? Like like if I'm Roman Tuesday and you ask a dumb question and it's also a yes or no answer, I'm going to give you a hard no probably and call it at that and I'm not let, answering another question from you. Like or I might just call you out and say that was also a dumb question. But it's just I, the combine questions. You you kind of you can't help but laugh, but then also just wonder how how do these some of these people get the credentials to be there? You know, with these questions, like it's just ridiculous. Anyways, let's move on. Finally, getting to our Super Bowl recap here. Super Bowl Fifty Eight in Las Vegas. There were some highlights, and her playing the guitar at halftime show at the halftime show. That was not one of them. That that was one of the worst. One of the worst things I've ever seen, but um, just absolutely top finishing off a interesting performance from Usher. But we'll talk. We'll probably not talk about that much. No, really? I don't think we we need to. The halftime show was just weird, but I'd rather not get into it. It, it left a lot to be desired, too. Justin Bieber, what are you doing, man? Come on, you got to help us out here. Could have had a great Peaches duet up there. Didn't get it. Anyways. Getting back to the matchup, obviously, it's pretty easy not to like both of these teams. We had all those issues with the practice site for the 49ers. I don't think it affected them in this game. It was nice to see the NFL didn't experiment with the turf this time in the Super Bowl. Instead, they kind of experimented with the 49ers practice turf during the week instead. But still, like, come on, NFL. It, and that's just more some, some more things here that you kind of take into consideration and makes you feel like the NFL is scripted, especially when the Chiefs come out and pull off the win. With with all the dysfunction that they had this season, going eleven and six, kind of stumbling to the playoffs, didn't matter. Chiefs. This game went exactly the way I predicted. My my prediction was the Chiefs would win twenty three to twenty. It would be briefly interesting, and then kind of totally suck the rest of the way, and it'd be super on brand with the way the Chiefs won games this year, controlling the clock, playing stellar defense. They made those adjustments at halftime. They came out. They got stops that they needed in the fourth quarter in overtime, and they found themselves on top. The 49ers were so close. One of the, one of the, one of the reasons why they came up short, though, Jake Moody had a great game, but the missed extra point that left it at 19 to 16 with 11 minutes to go, that was what cost them because the Chiefs only had to go down the field with what a minute, about a minute 45. It was less than two minutes to go. And all they needed was a field goal from Harrison Bucker. They did not have to get the touchdown. And Chiefs inevitably went down the field, 
tied the game because Patrick Mahomes, it's what he does. You cannot deny the two-minute drill from him and Andy Reid. They tie at 19-19, goes to overtime. 49ers win the toss and take the ball first. I'm going to admit, I didn't even know the overtime rules. I did not know that it was changed. Both teams would get pos- both teams would get possession even if the first team who gets the ball gets I knew that. I didn't I, know that. I, I, no, I, I did, and, and that's why when they went for the field goal, I was like, why are they not going for it? It's fourth and three. Like You might as well go for it because if you go for it and you don't get the first down, right, like you have the Chiefs backed up on their own end zone. The odds that they go down the field from there is a lot less likely than, you know, from the 25-yard line. Mm. So, but I mean, the Niners had the Chiefs on what, like a third and eight or something like that, and even a fourth down maybe, if I'm recollecting correctly. And then, I don't know. I mean, if you're not going to, if again, it was the same thing back in uh, 2019, I believe, when uh, the Chief, when Patrick Mahomes first played Brady and lost in that AFC championship game. And it was just because the Chiefs consistently could not um, get th- third down stops and fourth down stops because they were just shooting it to Edelman every time. It was the reverse, right? Or it was the same, but the reverse now, and the Chiefs are the ones doing it. Where it's like, if you're on the last drive of a championship game and you can't stop a team more than two times when you have them on third and long, you don't deserve to win the game. You just don't. So, I mean, whether or not it was rigged or not, you know, that's kind of, it doesn't matter, right? Like the 49ers defense crumbled. And again, that's on the Niners for not knowing the rules. And I think Kyle Shanahan, again, you know, he's not going to get fired, right? Obviously, but like you start off, you you kind of start wondering, okay, like what's going on with the Niners? I mean, they fired their defensive coordinator, which was interesting, but um, yeah, this team just can't seem to, to get it done when it matters. They just, they crumble. It doesn't matter how many plays you can, you know, how many, how many uh, different ways you can call one play. If you can't win the Super Bowl. I, I don't know. It, I don't have much to say other than that for the Super Bowl. It was kind of a, a letdown, just a bummer to see the chiefs win again. I, I it, Well, yeah, no doubt to, for starters. I think Kyle Shanahan's play calling down the stretch just was not, Good enough. He got out coached by Andy Reid and Steve Spagnolo in the end. They Andy, just weren't well, they weren't hurt. they weren't ready for all the different blitz packages the Chiefs were sending, all the different looks. They could not make those adjustments in the second half and couldn't keep up simply with the Chiefs defense. So that was the biggest difference in the game down the stretch. And it's like, I also think the I also think the Niners in general just didn't really play that well in the playoffs. When you think about it, right? Like the the Packers game, again, kind of came down to the wire, was probably a game they should have won. Brock Purdy didn't play that well. The Lions, they had to come back by, you know, down by three scores. I mean, when you really think about this Niners team, none of those games did they really ever deserve to win, in my opinion. (laughs) And so – like you know, kind of looking back on it in, in hindsight, that Niners team just really never played well in the playoffs. I mean, like compared to how they did in the regular season, they it was kind of that same team that the Ravens played. Um, so I, I I don't know that that's kind of what I took away from that Super Bowl game was that this Niners team was kind of coming off two games where they really didn't play. They probably played their worst football all year outside of that game on Christmas Day. And so, of course, when they went into that Chiefs game, they weren't 
their their best selves. So, I mean, a lot of questions for the 49ers. Um, is Kyle Shanahan going to have to change his style of play to get where they want to be is, I think, a legitimate question. Um, is Brock Purdy going to be good enough to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes? Um, I, I, I would I would say he, he was, I guess. But in Kyle, Kyle Shanahan's play column just did not do enough favors, I guess, when it mattered most. But it still kind of just makes you think, you know, going to the Super Bowl four years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo and then, four, you know, now this year with um, Brock Purdy. So that and is that style of quarterback going to be enough? Do you need the most gifted, talented quarterback to be successful? Do you have to have the quarterback with one of the most poised in the league, you know? So I think that is something that needs to be considered. Also, you look at the top 10 free agents – um, from these teams, the 49ers have Chase Young, Javon Kinlaw, both probably going to be gone unless they find a way to to bring them in on a on a team friendly deal and keep the core together. So that'll be something to watch. Uh, Tayshawn Gibson as well will be gone. Probably, I, I think the secondary will definitely need a boost. They didn't really have the greatest performance, I'd say. So some some decisions to be made there for the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan, it's also interesting when you look at his career arc because it's very similar to the guy he just lost to in the Super Bowl, Andy Reid. Andy Reid, in 2001, went to the NFC Championship and lost. Then he did the same exact thing the next year in 2002 and 2003. And then he got to the Super Bowl in 2004, then lost. So it took 15 years. You had to fast forward 15 years then. Andy Reid has a different style of team. He has one of the best quarterbacks in the league in 2019 and wins a Super Bowl for the, his first Super Bowl in his coaching career. So Kyle Shanahan, now 2019, lost in the Super Bowl to the Chiefs. And then 2021, lost in the NFC Championship. Did the same thing in 2022. And then you get to this year, 2023. Falls again to the Chiefs. He's so close. So I don't think this will be the end of the 49ers. I think they will be back. I don't know exactly how long it will be because it takes a lot to get back to the Super Bowl. It does. And the, the Chiefs are just an anomaly, but it, it's not all hope is lost for Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. Now, will he be the 49ers coach forever? I don't know. But I do think he will be around. I do think he will always have a great team. Just a matter of what is what are they going to need to get it done when the lights are brightest is the biggest question right now. Yeah. I mean, they'll be back next year for sure, but I, I think I don't see them in the Super Bowl. That's the, I, I think there's just too many teams that are, that are, you know, kind of coming behind them to take them out. Um, I mean, who's going to take them out in the NFC though. If we're, if we're being really, 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 really realistic here. So Packers and, and Jordan Love are on the come up for sure, and they're younger. So that could be that's a potential threat. The Eagles, they could they could rebound. They they just need to get the coordinators right. And they might have done that with Vic Vangio at defensive coordinator for them. And he's gonna be able to work with some seriously amazing young talent there in Philly. That's true. So, so the Phillies defense, I think, will will rebound. Cowboys maybe I mean Cowboys will always be, I mean we don't take them seriously but they'll always be there. The, uh, Cowboy, the Cowboys will make some noise and they might they might 
you know, get a hit, get a punch on you. But I, I don't know if the Cowboys are going to have what it takes ultimately when, when it's, you know, when it really comes down to it in the playoffs. So, but the yeah, NFC is just not, it's not built like the AFC. So the 49ers have, are still going to always be in really good position. They just need to make those adjustments and they need to be able to figure out in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be interested to see what, what kind of moves they make to, to uh, you know, compensate for the way this season ended. But, man, they, they are close. And it's, you know, Kyle Shannon, he, he's, a really, he's a really good coach when it, when it comes down to it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what is next for them. And I think that being said, let's move on. Second half of the show, my – Best fits for Justin Fields. I have a top five. I think it's a really good top five. Really thought about this. We know there's plenty of teams. There's three main teams interested in the mix here. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Raiders, and the team that's been talked about most, the Atlanta Falcons. And I'll get to them later. But those are the teams that we know are interested, and it could probably be one of those three teams. But I made a top five. And I don't know if all these teams are really interested, but they I think they should be. And I think Justin Fields would be a really good answer to their to their for the to the solution at quarterback for these teams. Um, judging based on what position they're in right now, how close they are in a win now mode. So let's let's start it off. Number five, I got the Miami Dolphins. Wow. And you might be like, wow, yeah, you might be like, whoa, where did that come from? Well, think about it. This could be a really fun fit. Mike McDaniel, he wouldn't have to carefully orchestrate 10, 15 play drives to score anymore because of the new skill set Justin Fields could bring. Offense would could be almost unguardable when you when you if you can't contain Justin Fields, and if you have to double team Tyreek every time and Jalen Waddle finds finds some space, and maybe if they get another another good weapon in there and all their running backs can catch passes out of the backfield and they're super versatile too. So you have to guard, you have to be able to defend the running backs like their receivers as well. So that create that's and those are that it's tough to find linebackers that can match up like that. And sometimes even safeties can't aren't handle the quickness of, of their running back. So the Miami dolphins would be really dangerous. Now, the only problem with this, and this is why I have them at five and not any higher is I think this would put a lot of pressure on Justin Fields to win right now. The way that the Dolphins are currently constructed with all the talent that they have in that locker room and all the veterans, especially in what could be Tyreek's last season, because he said he wanted to retire in two years after after um, the end of the year before last season. So if this is Tyreek Hill's last year, that's a lot of pressure on Justin Fields to come in in year one and get it done. And because Tyreek Hill means so much to Mike McDaniel's offense. So. That that's my only concern with that, and that's why they're so low. But also, I don't know if it's going to even happen. I don't know if Miami's looking to do that, anyways. So let's move on now to number four, and this is the one that's being talked about the most. It's the Atlanta Falcons. Now they have a young, unproven, defensive-minded head coach who does not have a quarterback for his team. So that's not the best combination, I think. I think Justin Fields needs to go somewhere where they have a legitimate offensive mind in the building to work with him and his supporting cast. But at the same time for the Falcons, it might not be worth using a first round pick on a quarterback this year because of if, if you don't, 
if you don't love after I think the top three quarterbacks, they won't. The top three quarterbacks aren't going to be available after the top five picks for sure. It's, it's from what it looks like, or top six, you could say. So the Falcons are sitting there at eight, one of the odd men out. They would have to trade up to get a quarterback that they probably like. Instead of doing that, you could just use that on somebody else to help your team and bring in Justin Fields for a second or a conditional second, like a package of third round picks instead. And then you have Zach Robinson, the new offensive coordinator, comes over, I think, from the Rams. So, you know, Raheem Morris, with his connections with the, coming over from the Rams, he's bringing in Zach Robinson. So it, it looks good on paper what they're doing, but we don't we have, we have yet to see what that offense is going to look like just yet. Um, and Justin Fields' Instagram no longer follows the Bears, but it does follow the trio. Of oh, do you really John believe Robinson, in that stuff, though? Drake London, Kyle Pitts. I don't know, man. There's something going on there. I don't know if there. I take that seriously. Uh, Justin Fields, where is he from? I don't know, man. I think there, there's something to it. And Atlanta just might be the team that likes him the most. So it, it could it could be fun. It could be really fun. I don't know if that's the best for Justin Fields, though. So that's why Atlanta's at four. Then we get to number three. This one, this one is this one makes a lot of sense. This is very practical. I have the Minnesota Vikings here. Kevin O'Connell. Now, he would have to adjust to the skill set of Justin Fields because I don't think he's really ever had a quarterback so far that can do what Justin Fields does. Um, but that's this is a great potential situation. Almost all the pieces are already in place. Now, the thing is, the hang-up is, would Chicago make a deal with Minnesota even if it's the best offer they receive? I don't know. So that that that's something Chicago would have to really, really consider there. So... And if that's the case, Minnesota's off the table then, and that's a shame. But Minnesota, I think that would be a great fit for Justin Fields. Now to number two. Here's where it starts to get really serious, and I think these would – number two here and number one are the most dangerous pairings, and I think there's a gap. I think there's a, a decent margin between these two teams and the, the other three teams on this list. So at number two, I have the Seattle Seahawks, and I think it's easy to see. Plenty of people are already trying to link J.J. McCarthy to Mike McDonald because of the Michigan connection or Michael Penix Jr. because of the offensive coordinator. Ryan Grubb comes from Washington, spent last season coaching Michael Penix there at UW. So it's pretty natural to mock either of those two guys to the Seahawks in your mock drafts and see the vision there. There's There's connections, no doubt. But Justin Fields, I think, would be even better. And him taking over this team would bring a new energy, I think, to the Seahawks. Instantly makes them an easy playoff team. And potentially then some. So that that I would love to see this. I think he would look super clean in the Seahawks uniform too. Him, I mean, you pair him with Jackson Smith and the Jigba. You still got DK Metcalf there. You're gonna have a strong running game. They they seem committed to getting the offensive line better too. I think that's gonna be that's a that's a system that's gonna be very supportive to Justin Fields and his growth, and I w- I would really like to see that happen. So and Justin Fields deserves it after what he's been doing in Chicago, you know, for three years, and nearly getting his head taken off, you know, and with those concussions. So I would love to see Justin Fields in Seattle. Then at number one, this one is just this would be perfect. I think it's the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Come on. I mean, it, it, it is going to depend on what Sean Payton wants from his quarterback. Does he, want, yeah, true. does he want a guy that he can just control and tell him exactly what to do and 
he doesn't have to deal with, you know, his guy playing better off script and extending plays and we're operating in that fashion. I don't know if Sean Payton, does he want that style of quarterback in his, on his team and in his system? I don't know. And a lot of people say Bo Nix is the, the best fit for what Sean Payton wants to do and his style of play, whatever. But I'm telling you right now, pairing Justin Fields with Cortland Sutton, who just had a great 2023. He was, he was one of the things that saved the Broncos from being the tank team. And then you got Javante Williams still there, who I think is still a really talented running back, represents what you want in the modern day running back. You beef up that offensive line. You go add another wideout, potentially in the first round, too. Those are those are two great options. And the Broncos will be in business. So I, I think that could be a, gr- a really fun fit, and it could be great for Justin Fields to be paired with Sean Payton. Tell me you don't want to see that happen. I'm just surprised you don't even have the Steelers in this list. But, I mean, to, to answer your question, I, I don't know. Denver seems like a weird fit. Like, it, it is a surprise, and I could see it working, but I do think the Seahawks make a lot more sense than Denver. Even the Steelers kind of make more sense. Well, I'm, I'm kind of also combining in terms of who needs the quarterback the most. Denver, yeah, but Denver did, really you say the Steelers? Sean Payton wants a quarterback right now, and they need that quarterback now with because they have talent on that team that they need to capitalize on seattle they might still be content with geno smith for another year starting and they might not be worried about that until next year you know what about the steelers because they're kind of in a weird position where kenny pickett is kind of clearly shown he's not gonna cut it right i i think that is very similar to what's going on with daniel jones in in new york i think they are going to be fine with another year of their current starting quarterbacks before they're ready to move on just because, you know, stubborn ownership pretty much. So I, I don't know if there's a huge sense of urgency for them to move off their quarterbacks right now. Also, I, as much as I think Justin Fields will elevate the Steelers, do I think that's the best place for him to go? Absolutely not. Because what offensive mind do they have right now? That's really going to, bring the Steelers into one of the best offensive units in the, in the, in the national football league. They don't have a guy right now, really, that you have a lot of, that you have a lot of confidence in. Arthur Smith. Uh, is Arthur Smith really <laughs> going to be yeah, no. a yeah. guy? I don't, I don't know. I mean, he, he did well with Tennessee and he made Ryan Tannehill into what he was, but then you look at what happened in Atlanta and it just wasn't encouraging. So it seemed like almost two different coordinators. So I, I'm just not convinced with the, with the Steelers. The Steelers need him, but I don't think Fields needs the Steelers. So, that... so right now, if you had to take your most realistic, because I personally think what's going to happen is I think the Falcons are going to trade for him, and I think the Falcons are going to get him. But what would your what who's your kind of what's your gut telling you? My gut is telling me that he is going to make a return to his hometown team. Um, yeah, it does seem yeah. like the Falcons. Well, there's just too much smoke right now there. I think for that to not happen, it would bring up it would bring a lot more hype into the Falcons locker room in the Raheem Morris era because Raheem Morris is just not a flashy guy. And I don't know if the if Falcons fans are necessarily in love with the hire right now. So that would be that would bring a new energy to Atlanta, no doubt. I think that'd be pretty hype for them. And I don't know if anybody else is as interested as much for whatever reason as the Falcons. So 
Now, I think it will take a conditional second-round pick, you know, depending on how Justin Fields performs, if he's available to play the whole season, or I don't know exactly what you tag to make that a conditional pick. But I think it will take a conditional second-round pick, and then I'm going to say like two third-round picks, you know, or, or a third and a fourth or something along those lines. I think that's kind of the package you're looking at, which is a steal, I, still think- I think. I think that's a steal. I still think the Bears should keep him personally, and and wait till next year. Uh, why would you? I know why would you want to wait if you're gonna if you're gonna pass up on Caleb Williams just to wait one year? Because I, because I don't know I I don't know if Caleb Williams is necessarily. I I mean you don't think he's built for Chicago? That's what you're saying. I, I don't know. I mean he's given them like he's given a lot of clear indications that he doesn't want to go there. Uh, I don't think Bears fans nor Bears bre- upper brass management wants to draft another North Carolina quarterback. And I don't think unless they trade down, right, they're in a position to take Jaden Daniels or Michael Phoenix. But in that in that case, right, you're kind of like, I, those are two prospects, again, that a lot of people would say probably are at the level of Justin Fields if they come into the league. So, in my opinion, if I was the Bears, I would take Marvin Harrison Jr., draft another an offensive lineman with your other first-round pick, and give Justin Fields a chance to perform you know, through his rookie contract because I don't know if the Caleb... Again, if, if Caleb Williams is giving you an indication he doesn't want to go there, I don't think it's there's another QB in this draft right now that I can definitively say I would rather have over Justin Fields, except maybe... Uh, Jaden Daniels but again I've also I'm on record saying that the Giants should draft Jaden Daniels this year regardless of Daniel Jones's contract situation because I I think if the Giants are in position to do that they should now that's another story but I do think the Bears should try and build around Justin Fields rather than give up on him although I think the return of Matt Eberfuss kind of gives us an indication that they're looking to go in a different direction well, and so he's going to turn 25 in, in three days. Justin Fields is. Um, yeah. His wow. birthday His birthday is March 5th. He'll be 25 in less than four I days. I thought he was our age. Um, I thought yeah. he was 23 or 24. Oh, wow. He is okay, 24 so he... going on 25 in three days. Okay, so he's a little older. So, and then if you pick up his option, which I think they, de- I think they declined it. So he's on, only under contract for one year now. You're going to have to figure out what to pay him. And so not only are you trading for Justin Fields, if you're one of those teams that needs a quarterback, you also have to figure out the price on what to pay him for the next about four years. That's not going to be easy to do when you haven't even seen his full potential because he's been held back by the Chicago Bears. Yeah. So so it it is much easier to to, trade him for the value. Yeah. To just trade him. And you can support your new franchise quarterback who is supposed to be the best prospect, I think, since Joe Burrow. And see what you see what you can come up with in the next three years. And you can you also are evaluating your head coach. I think that doesn't help as well. You don't know if Matt Eberflus is still the guy. So you'll have him with Caleb Williams for one year if it doesn't if you don't like the way the season goes for you know whatever reason. Then you can move off him. You can bring in an established offensive mind to pair with Caleb Williams and maximize your other pieces on offense. 
And you might have a you might be in a going in a much better direction, I think, than you would holding on to Justin Fields, just because you can and because you know he's capable of a lot. But there, there's still work to be done to give him an adequate supporting cast. And the Chicago is just not there yet. Justin Fields, he's going to be 25. He's already had some injuries. It's just it's a lot easier to start fresh, reset the clock. And go from there. And you, not to mention, you are going to get a pretty good, a pretty good prize in Caleb Williams. So, that's true. That's a good argument. Yeah, that's a good argument. It, it's just, it's just a, it's just much easier and logical, I think, because you're you're buying yourself more time if you take Caleb Williams instead of trying to build around Fields when you've already failed for three years, and then you're going to have to pay him, and it's not going to be easier to build the team around him. So, and also then there's more urgency to figure out your head coach and there's more urgency to be competitive sooner. And then you have to go against the Packers with Jordan Love. Now the Vikings could be a quarterback away from being the best team in the NFC North as well, because it seems like they are a competent franchise. And then you still have the Lions. You can't forget about what the Lions have just done. So the NFC North, is going to be as competitive as I think what the AFC North put out this last season. Yeah, so, it's definitely going to be. Which is kind of daunting. So I think if you're the Chicago Bears, I think it is just much easier. Do Justin Fields a favor. Please trade him. Just do him the favor. Now Chicago is going to be Caleb Williams' problem, but you have much better odds of having a successful future with him just because, not mostly because of the timing, but also I think of what Caleb Williams could become because of his most popular NFL comp right now. So I think that just makes too much sense for them. It's really difficult to imagine them sticking with fields. I mean, like as great as Marvin Harrison Jr. would be to add to your team, how much better is he going to make your team right away? And does it fix, you know, does, does it really make you look that much better in your outlook in the next two years? I, I don't think so. But just the way the NFC North looks right now, I just don't know if Justin Fields and Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be enough. So That's true. You, with, with your head coach, you don't even know if you have the right head coach. It's just a lot of factors here to consider. So it, it's a tough one for Chicago. It, it, it might break your heart to move up Justin Fields. I really like him. He's, he's already right now. Outside of Lamar Jackson, he's the best scrambling quarterback. He's the best runner. He's he's so talented. But I think he needs a fresh start, and I think Chicago does too. And that's a sad reality. So, yeah, Caleb Williams, you are a Chicago Bear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you see what he said at the combine today? He he said he's fine. He he likes he likes what they got right now. He says they got a, some good pieces on offense. He says they got a good defense, and he's excited to be joining a team that who holds the number one overall pick yet. They were 8-9 last year. So. Against Notre Dame, that's all I'm saying. Notre Dame, he made some mistakes. If you watch his interceptions, those are easy decisions to take back. Those are super, super I'm just saying mistakes. he's not as good as people think he is. So are you, are you saying he is not your number one quarterback at this point in time right now? Is that what I, you're saying? I can't, I can't make that. Not, not yet. I don't want the heat for that. <laughs> I'm not ready to do that. I mean, yeah, you might as well work for for CBS then, NFL and CBS then. If that's seriously, case. I should. Uh, 
May, or, May, for Calvin, May, Cal, or for Colin Cowherd. Or Colin Cowherd because, yeah, he the way he evaluates quarterbacks is, you know, really outside the box yeah. too, if there is a box. So, yeah. <laughs> We're like trying to put a circle in the box. Um, well, that being said, we will talk about quarterbacks very soon. I, I do want to do my position rankings for the quarterbacks coming out in this year's draft soon. Maybe that'll be the next episode. I also have in my mock draft 1.0, Locked and ready to go. So there's a lot to look forward to here on this podcast. So don't be afraid to tune in to our to our next pod because that's going to be really fun listening to what your favorite team is going to do in the draft. We're here to predict that for you. So thanks so much for tuning in and look forward to our next episode as well. See you.